What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. The Meat Improv! It's me, Jake Jabor, and this is yet another chapter from my soon-to-be-released book, Training to Be Myself, which you can pre-order for the next two weeks until May 17th at inkshares.com. Search Jake Jabor or Training to Be Myself. Uh, This is day 11, our second day in Chicago. Day 11, Chicago, two of two. Population? Abandoned dump trucks, isolated backbreakers, and conservative dinner company. It's a gorgeous Chicago morning, the sun is out, there's a Christmas to the air, and I walk on what feels like many bridges over vast expanses of water, but maybe it's just one. I'm picking up my laundry. I put on Kanye West as he is a Chicago native, and it brings me joy to listen to music made by a man who maybe once stood where I am standing. I am having a glorious morning. 2018 Addendum This was long before Kanye West's latest barrage of outbursts, and so I didn't write about that because it hadn't happened yet. It's getting harder to write about anything because culture doesn't crawl along decade by decade at an easy-to-document pace. It soars tweet by tweet. When Kanye radically steps into the spotlight, I will think back on this day and how Kanye probably walked the streets of Chicago, imagining, hoping, maybe even knowing he would become a star. But this emotional turmoil in the public eye? That had to be a surprise to even him. Still. I bet he wouldn't do it differently. The cost is high, but the rewards are worth it. But there's also no going back, and that's got to be tough. I hope he takes a walk. I hope he finds peace. Because I walk far and am tired, I call a lift to take me and our clothes to the hotel. My driver tells me he works as a long-term parking lot attendant. I ask him if anyone ever leaves a car and doesn't come back for it. Oh yeah, he says. Earlier this year, a man died on vacation and his children had to come pick up his car. You could tell they were shaken up by having to do it. He tells me another time someone parked a dump truck in their parking garage and it sat there for three years before they had it towed and sold. I find this fascinating and ask him what he thought happened. He says he has no idea. Neither do I. But I suspect it had to do with organized crime. The long-term effects of growing up on action movies are plentiful and mild. One example being everything unexplained is usually the result of some nefarious man or enterprise. Unbeknownst to my driver, he's triggered one of my favorite mental pastimes, thinking about property that sits while we live our lives. That's it. It's simple, requires no calculation or creativity, yet I do it a lot. I'm not sure why, but my best guess is that the notion of the high school yearbook, or soprano season, or the wooden Yellowstone souvenir box remain permanent in a way our lives never will. It's reassuring. Like, no matter what I experience, it will be temporary. The only permanence in life are dump trucks and casemates full of burned Dropkick Murphy CDs. I often look at the Jose Canseco book given to me by a woman nearly a decade ago, still unread, or the little photos and cards I have pinned up on my corkboard, and think how they all sat there when I got accepted into TFA, overwhelmed with excitement, 
and still there when I quit with exhaustion. They remained stoic as I excitedly flirted through texts and cried through breakups. They stood breathless with every meaningless victory and meaningful defeat. Every time the dust settles and those big moments get lost to time, my trinkets and collections hold their ground. On the smallest of scales, they are the monuments erected to my little life. I tell my driver about my podcast. He asks where it's available, and when I say any podcast app, he says I should put it on YouTube. It's where he goes for everything. He makes a good point. If I'm looking to leave behind something with my name on it, something permanent, YouTube may be as close to a Sharpie signature as you can get in the digital age. The hotel has turned our water off. I complain to the app we booked from, the ever-awesome Hotel Tonight. They give us a discount, and the hotel gives us a key to another room so we can use the shower. It is not uncommon for me to use a hotel bed, but not a shower. This, however, will be the first and I presume only time I will use the shower and not the bed. It's strange. They give us drink tickets we never use. For the first time on the trip, I pick the restaurant we eat at. I enjoy that Josh has places he wants to go. It takes the pressure off and avoids compromises, both of which I don't like. I'd prefer one person get what they want and the other person settle. Why should we both not get exactly what we want? If I will agree not to get my favorite, then why shouldn't you get yours? No sense in both of us picking our runner-up. And that is my working philosophy nine times out of ten, provided I do get to pick the tenth. And this is the tenth. Our Lyft driver to the restaurant informs us he used to snowboard semi-professionally before breaking his back. Wow, I say. I also broke my back. Do you have residual pain? What vertebrae was it? He doesn't answer my questions, nor does he show the slightest bit of interest in learning about a very similar, very rare injury. Instead, he talks about getting drunk in bars in Chicago. Well, there goes my attempt at connecting with a stranger. Look, dude, I understand tiring of telling the same story over and over, but we have a unique shared life experience. Aren't you the slightest bit interested in comparing notes? That would be like if John Glenn didn't want to talk to Buzz Aldrin about what the Earth looks like from the moon. You will not find a ton of other people who could relate, you know? Is your problem I'm comparing a broken back to space travel? Well, fuck you then, and fuck trying to connect with strangers. This always happens. Once, I was visiting a friend at their apartment pool, and the pool had a metal fence around it. I left the pool to go use the bathroom inside my friend's apartment, and the gate was at the opposite end of the pool that my friends were at. When I returned, the gate was locked, and there was a guy on his phone less than five feet from the latch. A total stranger who I normally would not have interacted with, because he was a total stranger... But I didn't want to yell across the pool for help, so I said, Excuse me, sir, do you think you could help me out and let me in? Nope, he responded without looking up. Oh, what? I chuckled with humiliation. I'm in the middle of a game on my phone and I can't pause it. Still not looking up. I had to yell across the pool for help. He literally reinforced my, until now I assumed, irrational fear of not reaching out to strangers because they will be cold and dismissive. And now I got this bro with a broken back talking about a bar with shot glasses made of ice. We're both stonecutters, asshole. Now do the handshake. We had a burger at Achevelle that would give all of L.A. a run for its money, and then get a flight of beers at a brewery next door. We meet up with Josh's friend at his apartment that has floor-to-ceiling windows and a rooftop with a pool and a gym. We meet him on the fifth floor. It is a combination lounge-library-cafe. I'm aroused. If this place has a coffee machine, I could orgasm. And I'm sure if I did, some Roomba would have mopped it up. I have modest taste, but I definitely think I would be happier living in this luxury apartment than my two-bedroom dwelling. It's safe to say I will never be able to afford this kind of living. Actually, you know what? Fuck that. Yes, I will. 
This book will make me the kind of money to maybe not live floor-to-ceiling glass, but at least I'll live in a downtown apartment with a pool, or at least I'll be able to afford a Roomba that cleans up my spills. As God or Greg, whoever is reading this, is my witness, I will purchase a vacuum robot. Our visit goes long as Josh and his friend catch up, and I gawk at a building probably owned by Donald Trump. We race across town to the train station. I'm getting anxious because we have to make this train. The rest of the trip depends on it. I'm racing through the station and Josh is behind me telling me to relax, and this only succeeds in filling me with uncharacteristic rage. In the history of people freaking out, has the command relax ever brought someone down? Maybe it used to be effective until movies took it over and now we can't help but hear it as condescending. We make the train and Josh says something to the effect of, see, we're fine, and I want to throw mama from the train him. I was racing because I thought we would miss it. So either we make it and I'm wrong for thinking we wouldn't, or I'm right and we miss it. Either I will feel foolish or not get what I want. I eat a candy bar and no joke, feel a thousand times better. There are some Pennsylvania Dutch people on this train, or people who are Pennsylvania Dutch. That is at least what Josh and I have determined after snapping a pic of them and sending it to a friend who grew up in Ohio. I would have said Amish, and I would have been wrong. It's funny how little I know about my immediate surroundings, and yet I'm still quick to make assumptions. I wonder how one stops that. Self-awareness? He thinks to himself while writing a self-indulgent book. I suppose I could ask, but I've never cracked how to respectfully inquire about someone without seeming rude. And it would appear neither has the woman who sits across from us at dinner. This is our last overnight on a train, and so Josh and I splurge and have dinner in the dining car. They seat us across from a mother and daughter. I estimate the mother to be in her mid-fifties and the daughter her mid-twenties. They were seated before us, and when we sit down, they have drinks and a basket of bread already. They share their bread with us. The mom is retired and the daughter is a bartender. They use an Amtrak credit card to rack up points and then take trips. They're headed to New York to see some Broadway shows. Josh and I, as sort of an icebreaker, do a round of our tongue twisters, filling them in on the running joke. My bumbling bopper bounced his boost on the beach. Our dinner guests don't appear to appreciate our tongue twisters. At one point, the Pennsylvania Dutch family sits down across from us at another table, and the mom, with all the absence of tact I've ever seen, just straight up interrupts the family's dinner to ask, What are you? I bet people unlock pool gates for this woman. Meanwhile, I can't muster up the courage to ask the server what the soup of the day is. What if his dad drowned in a soup factory? They politely and simply respond Dutch. The succinctness of this response informs me that they must get this question a lot. If I got that question, I'd stammer, afraid, white, poor, college-educated, debt-ridden, pampered, privileged, guilty, lost, uneasy, existential, two days from a shower, sleepy, horny, ambitious, delusional. The mom gets a piece of chocolate cake to go and retires to her personal car. The daughter then tells us that earlier in the day they were almost ejected from the train. It turns out mom went to lunch by herself in the dining car, and after the meal, she stood up and thanked the whole car for a lovely experience and then said, God bless President Trump. And apparently, the guest booed her, which alerted a train employee who, when informed of what she said, berated the woman. She chased the mom back to her room, threatening to quit if this Trump supporter was not removed from the locomotive. Apparently, tempers were tempered, and everyone stayed en route and employed. Remarkably, I sat and enjoyed dinner with a Trump supporter, literally breaking bread with her, with no knowledge. This anecdote, however, led to a longer discussion of the atrocities and shocks stirred up by our commander-in-chief. Some Utah residents who we met earlier spun their heads around in our direction. There were hints of potential hostility in the air. 
I don't know if there was ever a real potential for conflict or aggression, but I know we all ate together and each pitched in for a portion of the cost to keep the train running so we all may get to where we are going. I don't want to get too political, but I think that's a fair expectation for this country. Let's make sure we're all fed and on the right track. And let's pool our resources together to get services we couldn't afford individually. Socialism forever. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.